Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, the Cougars head coach reflects on a 2-2 two and two start to the season and helps us set up BYU's trip to Toledo. Plus, tight end Matt Bushman joins us live in Studio C as BYU Football with Kalani Sitake starts now. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Sitake Show, your weekly look inside a Cougar football hashtag Sitake Show on Twitter. Coming up on this evening's show, we'll ask you to use your hashtag, Sitake Show, to submit questions on Twitter for Kalani. You can also submit questions on Facebook and Instagram via the BYU TV Sports accounts. On this evening's broadcast, quite loaded, we'll recap the Washington game. We'll preview the matchup with the Toledo Rockets. We'll go inside the film room with tight ends coach Steve Clark. We'll explore some uh, pregame rituals with players and coaches. We'll get mic'd up with Micah Simon, and we'll chat with Matt Bushman in studio. Let us get tonight's show rolling. As a BYU player, he wore jersey number 34 this Saturday. As BYU's head coach, he will coach career game number 44. He's the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake. How are you doing? Good to see you guys. All right. I'll give you one. What's up, Greg? How you doing? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm always worried this chair's going to break or something. Yet every week, yeah. it's rock solid. Someone's angry at the game and then just, you know, sabotage it so I fall down. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, good group here, and good to see you again. And uh, just off the practice field, I guess, a few minutes ago. Yep, good practice, and uh, looking forward to another week, you know, this after a disappointing outcome last week. And more just disappointed at, at the way, uh, at the many mistakes we made and uh, just trying to get that fixed. So I have a gr- group of great young men that want to work hard and, and uh, great coaches that want to work hard. So uh, should we should improve a lot from week four to week five. Two games, or rather four games in, two and two is BYU's record. Last game was that 45-19 home loss to Washington. And a little unusual compared to the games you've just been playing before because this one kind of got away from you in a hurry. Yeah, and then just way too many mistakes, and, and uh, that's, uh, you know, they're too good of a team to spot them that many opportunities and, and the turnovers. We had a punt return for a touchdown and and a fumble return for a touchdown, so just way too many mistakes. It, it, it wasn't just really even one side or even one position. There were, there were a lot of missed assignments, and that's my job as head coach is to make sure that we play more consistent, and I'm looking forward to getting that done this week. Let's uh, roll briefly through our look back to a Saturday's matinee. It was a throwback game at uh, Lavelle Bridge Stadium. Uh, great uniforms, cool looks on the field, and uh, more than 62,000 fans in the stands. And uh, a heck of a nice play, by the way, to get the Huskies on the board. That's a, a toe-tapper. They did review it. A good catch made, and the Huskies have their early uh, touchdown lead. And that's a heck of a good quarterback. They have two there. Uh, Jacob Eason came out of Georgia. Yeah, he thread the needle on that with that 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 tight pass. The other one, we didn't have anyone in coverage. And then uh, this will this will obviously the fumble return for a touchdown. And uh, you know, looking for an opportunity to go and score seven, and then you give up seven. It's a 14-point swing for us. Another look at what happened on that uh, particular play, and it's a really uh, just a. A man-on-man beat there on the right side. Yeah, and, break down uh, on our with our right guard and coverage, and then, yeah. if anything, you know, make the tackle or, or recover the ball. But uh, just a, not not a great outcome for us, and that that's not good. That we have 
six turnovers and three of them have been touchdowns for the, for the opponents. That's pretty unusual that a half of BYU's giveaways have gone the other way for scores. Emmanuel Asupa uh, gets his first touchdown as a BYU Cougar. Keep you guys in it. And then right before halftime, from 54 yards, second longest field goal in BYU football history. Jake Oldroyd makes it a 12-point game, so 24-12 at the break. And, uh, again, you're back in the game, right? Yeah, being down 12, and we knew we could get the ball back. And, um, you know, we just uh, had some some issues. I think we we, we uh, fumbled the ball in midfield and, and gave up a touchdown after that. And then this punt return, uh, we had two guys, some two mental breakdowns on coverage, and, and this was the outcome. You can't make these type of mistakes and expect to beat a great team like Washington and, and – uh, you know, with their depth and everything they can do, their assignment sound on offense, defense, and special teams, and and then uh, they just got after us once once the uh, momentum started swinging. They just got after us and didn't really uh, let up until we, uh, you know, until it's too late. We were able to get this turnover, but um, you know, just the, I think the key is ball security, and we're fortunate here not to turn the ball over. Um, but I, I appreciate Max Tooley wanting to get in the end zone, but he's five yards away <laughs> from the reach, you know, and so it's, um, and I, he must think really highly of himself to get there, but I uh, just like the fact that he was able to get, make that play, and Austin Lee had a breakup on that one pick up, pick, and so, uh, you know, this was, we've kind of, Tennessee game, we gave one away, so this is kind of nice to get one in <laughs> get our Get one back the other time. way. Yeah. No scoring in the fourth quarter after all of that, and this game ended a 45-19 Washington winning it. So the Huskies get BYU in the back-to-back years. Uh, they got BYU in Seattle last year and then came here. And really in both instances, uh, Coach Peterson, uh, you faced uh, two, really good, two really good Washington teams in back-to-back years. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, they, they, have, uh, they have a really good thing going on there in their program and their, their culture. And so, you know, that's something that we, we admire and we want to get to that, that point. But... Uh, in order for us to even have a chance this game, we had to play assignment sound, and, and I thought the effort was great. We had high effort, but I uh, didn't play the most sound, and, and weren't really the, the didn't play as smart as we should should have been. Or as clean, right? The yeah, turnovers and, and guys big in both just your losses, trying too yeah. much, and you, you see the, some of the drop passes, guys trying to run without the ball and things like that. that's pretty common. But uh, it's not not common to see it from more of our veterans, guys that have been through games before. And, and that's something that we have to keep, keep uh, you know, promoting to our players to get better and to just do their job, do their 111th, and it should be good enough. So negative outcome, but there were some positive performances. We had the coordinators uh, pick their players from that game, uh, those who excelled in their particular units. And we see offense, defense, and a couple from special teams. Maybe you could talk about those guys uh, left or right, Kalani. Yeah, Brady Christensen has been solid at the left tackle spot, and he's gone against some great players there. And, uh, he's 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 going to be a big time tackle and, and has a great future. Uh, and and Max Tooley, you know he 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 started to come along after the second game and he's starting to uh, have a presence on the field. And I think he's going to be he's going to have a bright future. We have a lot of young linebackers and they make a lot of plays. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of the things that he's going to be able to do this week. And then Skyler has been solid on his kickoffs and you know we we try to challenge him a little bit to return some, but they wouldn't do it. And, and, uh, but he's been really pinpoint with his with his with his kicks on kickoffs, and uh, Trajan Peely did an amazing job at, at protecting the punter and 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 also in covering. So uh, those guys have been solid, and uh, looking forward to seeing them produce more as we go through the next week. Okay, last week's uh, players of the game. Saturday's game saw Tyson Williams uh, leave the game with an injury in the second quarter, so he was certainly done for the day. And then we found out later that he's uh, done for. Uh, the season, uh, man, just a, a damaging loss for the team. 
a sad situation for him personally. Just a rough deal, and it happens at the start of what I think was going to maybe a special season. Yeah, and, you know, he's, he's um, trusted us and wanted to come out here. Came all the way out from, from South Carolina to, to be at BYU and help our team. And, and uh, you know, we're still leaning on him to be a leader for us. And, and he's really upbeat about it, you know, just wants to be there for the team. He's at practice again today and, and in our meetings and everything. So he's waiting for uh, his surgery date in, in a couple weeks. And um, I know that, that uh, a lot of the thoughts and prayers that are going out to him from the fans, he really appreciates. And so... Appreciate all you guys reaching out to him. You know, this is something that he doesn't regret ever coming out here. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll see what happens with compliance and everything if he can get that year back. If not, he's part of our BYU family, and I know everyone take good care of him. He's only been out here for a few months. What do you think has happened with, uh, with him and the program in terms of a relationship being formed in just a few months? Oh, the team was pretty emotional when they found out the, the, um, the outcome of his, in, you know, with the, with his injury. And, uh, even though he hasn't been here very long, it's just the connection that they've had together, and it's uh, it's how welcoming our players have been to, to the new guys, him and Soup, and others that have that come along as a freshman or JC transfers, and and uh, he's just really bought into the system, bought into the culture, and really bought into what BYU is all about. That's something that he was really um, excited about in, in the recruiting process, that he can come to school where there's no distractions and just play football and go to and work on his masters, and that's something that he. Still values to this day. He just, he just, it's just sad that he's not out there making plays. But our guys will play and dedicate the season to him. With Tyson out, Emmanuel Osupa had a larger role. Uh, we saw him score that first touchdown as a Cougar. Uh, what kind of role would we expect for Soup moving forward? Can he be more of a workhorse guy, or are you looking more of a, of a timeshare back there? Well, I think Soup, Soup, he can, he can handle all of it. You know, he can be able to do, do what, what Tyson's done. But um, he was a little banged up coming out of camp. And so that, that's why it took him a little while to get going. But between him and Lopini and Sione, they'll be able to figure it out. And, and we also have Jackson McChesney, that's a freshman return missionary. So um, I think the group is going to be fine. Um, you know, Tyson's still involved. And A.J. Stewart, I have a lot of confidence in him as, as the running backs coach to get our guys fed. Okay. That's the backfield situation for BYU. So the Cougars have played their final P5 of the regular season, uh, which segues into some, uh, some P5 news for BYU uh, involving BYU and Utah and their series and their rivalry. It's been extended for four more years uh, going through the year 2028, but that will include uh, a new two-year hiatus. They've taken a break before for two regular seasons, and now, Kalani, there's another two-year break built in there uh, to allow Utah to put, it looks like, Florida on their schedule. Uh, just uh, thoughts on the deal that got done and the uh, shift in schedule here. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's an administration move, you know, so I, I know Tom has a great relationship with with Mark Harlan, their, their AD, and so they were able to work some things out, and uh, maybe we should get a bowl game that crosses over with the Pac-12 in those two years. So, well, uh, last just... time BYU played Utah in a bowl game during yeah. the hiatus, so, so you know. it'd be, it'd be, I mean, I, I'm just glad that we're able to keep, you know, the schedule that we have and the teams that we get to face, and uh, I'm really more focused on 2019 more than anything and focused on Toledo right now. But that's that's nice that, that they're able to work things together with, with the University of Utah and BYU administration. Okay, time out as we hit the break. A reminder that for your day-to-day Cougar sports play-by-play, you're to watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, tight ends coach Steve Clark discussing Matt Bushman's performance Saturday in the film room. And Kalani looks ahead to that weekend trip to Toledo. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake.
BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life. BYU's only other meeting with Toledo was in 2016 in a game that featured that 286-yard, five-touchdown record performance from Jamal Williams. Then there was that guy named Kareem Hunt for Toledo we just saw there. Late in the game, game-winning kick, Red Almond. BYU wins it 55-53. to Kalani Sitake's first season as BYU head coach. All right, looking ahead to uh, Saturday's uh, game day broadcast lineup. It's an early start with the uh, Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Mountain, followed by BYU TV's countdown to kickoff at 11, then the game on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Postgame coverage on both BYU TV and BYU Radio from the Glass Bowl in Toledo. Well, each week on this show, we get into the X's and the O's with an assistant coach and our own Jerem Jordan who look at some standout plays from BYU's most recent game. This week, tight ends coach Steve Clark is our guide as we go Inside the Film Room. All right, welcome Inside the Film Room. I'm with a man who apparently didn't know Drake until fall camp. Steve Clark. Steve, you who, really who? didn't know who Drake was. I, st- I don't believe you. I'm a... Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. Hey. Started, Started from, from the bottom, bottom now we're here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Hey. Steve Clark. All right, let's break down some Matt Bushman plays. He had a tremendous game against Washington. So, uh, this is a third and eight in the first quarter. This is kind of a uh, this is kind of a concept that it's widely known as uh, China. Matt down here has an inside. It's called an inside fade. So he's going to attack the outside shoulder of the defender, and then he's going to basically run to the front side pylon. That's his aiming point. Uh, what we talked to him about are. Uh, you know, they're, they're pressed up, their, their heads are inside looking at the receiver. That's pretty much a good clue that it's going to be cover one or man-to-man. So what we're looking for is we're going to try to beat them over the top. And if we can't get them over the top, then Zach's going to back shoulder throw this. And he's really good at back shoulder throwing this. And then Matt does a good job of coming back and getting the ball. And he's, Matt's really good at that. So. Is there any ball thrown up to Matt Bushman that you as a staff don't believe he'll catch? Uh, yeah, the ones I throw to him, he never catches. <laughs> okay, play two. Okay, so we're going to talk about one of the things that BYU's done forever. It's the over route, okay? So the first thing we're going to talk about, Matt, is we want him to release underneath the first linebacker and wrap the second. So you can see right there, he does a good job of going underneath the first backer, around the second. Now he's going to wrap that one. There's his, there's his window right there that we're trying to get into. Zach does a good job of getting it in there, and then it and it helps to be six foot four. That does help. Yeah, I I don't know, but I'm being five being five foot four. Yeah, on a good day. But being six four is six four is nice. great. Okay, and then another uh, another Matt Bushman play. So this is uh, the next play, and this is going to come off a of play action. Now this is a different type of over route. Again, under the first linebacker, wrap the second linebacker, and then get into the. We want to catch this in between the hash. And the numbers, um, they were kind of taking it away, and so um, Zach pulls him up with the throw. And if you watch it from this angle, you can see the, the play action is going to hold those backers that allows Matt to get over the top of them. Uh, good throw right there by Zach. And, and that's why you fake the jet sweep. We're faking, it to, we're faking the jet sweep right there, and then we're faking the inside zone right there to hold the backers. Here's another tight end, Mason Wake, who's in for protection. 
his man really is that end, but when he goes inside, Brady takes him. Now he should be looking at 13, who didn't come either, so. A classic BYU route. A classic BYU route. Who's giving uh, Matt Bushman more notes per week, Chad Lewis or you? Oh, Chad, for sure. Chad is giving Chad's more notes? giving it, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you played four power fives in a row. Uh-huh. Now you go to the uh, group of five schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, Toledo, a, a good team, a preseason team. picked him yep. with a Mac. Yeah, a very good team. Um, and, you know, they came in a couple years ago. And so we, we know, you know, we're, they're not going to catch us by surprise. Okay, appreciate the time, Steve. All right, Great no breakdown. problem. Thank you. And we will see more from Matt Bushman coming up a little later on in our show. Coming up Saturday from the 26,000-seat Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio. It's a BYU and Toledo for the first time. Uh, first time there. Uh, second time overall. Uh, the Rockets come in at 2-1 and one on the year. They won a 41-35 game Saturday night at Fort Collins. That game did not even go overtime, and it lasted 4 hours and 14 minutes. That's the longest football game in Toledo football history. I watched it, and I, stayed, I was up forever, and uh, it ended at like 2.40 in the morning Eastern time. We're there from on Saturday night. It was a wild game. A ton of yards in that game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, a lot of yards, and, and um, gave us a lot of film to watch. So, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, you know, just uh, I think they're really well coached. Uh, they have a quarterback that can run, which is always going to pose some problems, but a physical line and a running back that, that – um, can really run the rock, and so he, and he can break some tackles. And um, we're looking forward to defending him. I think we, defensively, we, we have something to prove this week, and and uh, this is a good time for us to show it, and especially after last week's showing, you know. So, um, but you know, Kovac's a good running running back, and he finds open seams. Their old line is big, and they're, and they're able to create just a little window for him. And once they do that, he he pretty much takes over and. He's got tons of speed on. You see that one out running people on the sideline, and um, that's that's always going to be an issue. So being, keeping him corralled in the run game is going to be something that we have to focus on, and and then also being aware of the quarterback and his running ability too, both in the passing game and also when they have QB runs. So we see Kobach, and uh, in addition to his three rushing touchdowns, he had a receiving touchdown as well. And for all of his efforts on Saturday night, he was the MAC West Offensive Player of the Week. Bryant Kobach, and uh, Colorado State saw a lot of him Saturday night. BYU'll see a good handful of him uh, this coming Saturday, and that'll be up to uh, the rush defense to shore things up against a, a pretty good back. Their quarterback, Mitchell Guadani, doesn't throw a lot, but he's efficient when he throws it. Kalani, no INTs on the year, passer rating ahead of uh, north of 165, and when he does run it, and he can, he's got a couple scores on the ground there too. Yeah, I think they're really smart with how they, they utilize his uh, running ability, but then uh, you know, whenever they need to throw the ball, he's efficient. Like you said, throwing the ball downfield has a great rating, and uh, he's played a lot of football. So I think, um, you know, looking at and seeing his skills, uh, it's going to test our our defense in a lot of different ways. But I think uh, I think our guys will, will be up and ready for it. They they have to be. That there's there's no other there's no other explanation other than they got to play better than what we did this last time. And starts with the D line up front. And Kalani, with the rush defense numbers that maybe aren't where they usually are for BYU, um, this is a good chance to actually, you know, another chance to prove yourselves, right? Yeah, and, that, and just being physical up front. I mean, I think we played against some really good teams in, in so far this season. This this one's no different, you know, but uh, I think uh, really testing the guys, and they're just going to have to just, you know, show what they can do, man up a little bit on the line of scrimmage and take on double teams and, and just be the tough guys that we know they are. 
Now, defensively, they're a little bit susceptible there. Um, they, they, they allow a ton of yards, maybe not as many points as yards when it comes down to the actual balance there. But this is the kind of game where if you think the offense is due for a breakout, this might be the kind of game where you get it. No disrespect, but those are the numbers right now. Yeah, and, and, and we're not really looking at, 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 at it like that. Like this is you know, an opportunity for us against, against the, the stats. Uh, we look at our stats as well. We know that we're, what we're capable of doing on defense. We know that they have great athletes and, and they're really well coached. So uh, for us, it's more about being consistent and finishing drives and then uh, making plays when the, when the opportunity's there. Guys catching the ball, securing the football, and it comes down to the, the fundamentals of the game for us. And if we're able to do that, then I think we'll have some success. But uh, just looking at it and looking at stats, and that's not going to work. Uh, our goal is to play at our best. And, and I thought we've done it in, in, in spots, but uh, I don't think it's been consistent enough. And that's my job as a coach. So uh, that's what we're looking to do is be more consistent, regardless of who the opponent is. And you've heard me say it before, I don't really care for playing Timview High School or the San Francisco 49ers. We have to be, we have to be at our best no matter what. And then it, it's about time that we do it consistently and, and, and uh, do what we, I know we can do as, as, with us matching the skill and the talent on our team. It's an Eastern Time Zone game, so you'll leave Thursday then for the Saturday morning game. Does yeah, that sound we're, right? We're leaving Thursday. We practice. We meet and practice in the morning, and then leave in the afternoon. I think we arrive around eight o'clock in Toledo, and then have dinner, have some meetings, and then uh, get a rest there and get used to the, the that time zone, and then work there and do some meetings and practice on Friday and work out and, and be ready to roll by the time it hits noon on. 10 a.m. here, so it's an early, early wake-up call for yeah. you guys on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, we'll be we'll be fine. It, it, it's going to be nice to play another day game, and I'm looking forward to seeing all our fans that are in that region in that area. And I think our guys are looking forward to the opportunity of, of getting uh, get on the road and and playing this game. So you're playing in a MAC venue. Uh, it's been a long time since BYU played a game in the MAC. You know long you know how long it's been. I honestly can't remember. 1970, okay. BYU played at Western Michigan, and that's the only time that BYU's played. Well, they played Western Michigan a few times back there, but that's the only school out of the MAC that's ever hosted BYU. And the last MAC game on the road was back in 1970. So you play there this year, and then you'll go back to the MAC next year with uh, Northern Illinois on the uh, second half of that game they played at your place. So back to the uh, MAC next year. And it is the Glass Bowl, smaller facility relative to attendance there. And it's, a, it's an old, venerable facility. And BYU's first look at it comes a Saturday noon, Eastern, and 10 a.m. here in the Mountain Time Zone. All right, heading to break. And as we do, we want you to know that you can enjoy a full hot breakfast buffet, dinner Monday through Wednesday, a kitchen, and a large grassy backyard along the Provo River Trail, all at the residence in Marriott in Provo. And a reminder, Mondays at 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, we talk with BYU's football coordinators on the Coordinator's Corner with Jeff Grimes, Elisa Tuiaki, and Ed Lamb. We're taking a week off next week due to the bye. We're back with you a week from Monday at 1 Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. After this break, Coach taking your questions in studio and from social media, and Cougar players and coaches discuss their pregame rituals. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. I always just spend a good 30, to 30 minutes to an hour of just visualizing. I just get too amped up sometimes, so I always have to, throughout the day, calm myself down. No, I don't, I don't like to do that. You know, I don't want to feel like i got to rely on doing something crazy or something you know, before, so I just kind of let it happen. BYU football with Kalani Sitake. You know, you know, each player deals differently with the pressure and expectations of playing the game of football. Some have what we'll call normal means of coping. Others have more unique strategies. 
I'm always listening to my reggae music before. I just listen to music, I just jam out. Just jam out in the locker room with myself, my teammates. Nothing super specific. I just get too amped up sometimes, so I always have to, throughout the day, calm myself down. I've always played with Lavelle Edwards grass in my left cleat. And then when my grandpa passed away, I started putting his grass from his, um, his gravesite in my right cleat. It's all about the prayer. It's the number one thing. It's all about the prayer. <laughs> I, uh, I chew gum like crazy. I probably go through a whole pack of gum um, pre-game, which is, I don't know, 16-6 or something like that. The night before the game, I always just spend a good 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour of just visualizing. I'll just lay there in my bed and um, just be completely silent or dark or whatever it is, and, and I'll literally go through every single step of how I think tomorrow's gonna be. Oh no, we eat a lot. I eat a lot before games. I think it's kind of a nervous thing. I don't think it's a good thing either, but I, I eat a bunch. Like, they tell us to eat light. I'm, I'm stacking food and I'm eating at the table that I'll take like two plates upstairs in my room. The last song I listened to is Come Get Your Love by Redbone. People may know this, it's the first song in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I'm a lineman so I don't throw or catch the ball, but I'll get out to the field a little bit early and I'll throw the ball around with somebody and it just kind of helps. No, I don't, I don't like to do that. You know, I don't want to feel like I got to rely on doing something crazy or, you know, before, so I just kind of let it happen. <laughs> so what do you do? I listen to music and then watch Kyrus eat and <laughs> kind of just hang out. I, I mean, I, I think when I was a player, it was, uh, we, we used to just kind of, hang around and play games in there a little bit just to take up some of the time. But these guys have their own rituals, and I think it's okay if they do it. Okay. <laughs> Watch Kyrus eat. Uh, <laughs> time now to let Cougar Nation ask some of the questions. We've got a live audience and social media questions ready to roll. We'll begin here in the studio. We have, uh, we have young Tyson Bates at the mic. Hello, Tyson. Hello. Hey. What's, your fav- what's the funnest thing about coaching? Oh, man, just being around the fans and being around the players. So, like, when I was your age, I loved BYU football growing up. So, I, I mean, that's – just imagine yourself getting to play at BYU and then getting to be a, the coach, right? So, I get the best seat in the house, and, and I get to even call timeouts and yell at rest and stuff. So, it's even better. <laughs> I did it when I was young, and, and the TV was the only one that heard me. But this is a lot of fun. I'm having a great time. Thanks, Tyson. Uh, social media, at KJWeb111 on Twitter. Question is, uh, with depth being tested after this last matchup, uh, how much deeper would you like to see this team in years to come? And is that based more on recruiting or development? Both. I think, I think there's some times where you can't have a bunch of – you can't just have a bunch of guys in, 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 in your depth um, that are developmental guys. Uh, you're going to need guys that can make plays and can play right away. And um, I think where you get into trouble is where you have too many developmental players and then and you don't have enough guys that can just go and play right away. So – for us, we have to have a balance of both, and then I think everyone's still developing, even though they may be a JC player or, you know, Tyson came as a senior in soup, and they were still able to develop during fall camp. So um, I think it's important that we have a balance of both of those things. Okay, next question comes from studio, and it is Tanya Uluwakiola. Hello. Hi, Coach. What are two or three of the top things that you coach players to do to get past mistakes and get their heads back in the game? I think you have to confront them with it and be honest. I mean, that's the, the I think there's a, I, I have this, uh, this positive attitude that I like to be positive all the time, but I think you have to face the brutal facts and give honesty. 
Because without honesty, there's no growth and there's no feedback. But um, the other part of that is that um, without loving them and without, without that connection, then there's no, there's no way that they would listen to you. So uh, I think I'm at the point where, you know, I can be kind of hard on guys because and, and, I want them to perform well, but uh, they, they also need to know that they, they can trust me and that they know that I love them. Okay, thanks, Tanya. Uh, social media, uh, bman underscore 12 on Instagram. What kind of speech is said in a locker room uh, when BYU's down at the half? Well, I think the, the major thing is to look at where we're at. And then uh, I think when we first meet, we go, get into our meeting rooms and the offense and defensive staff meet separately. And then I give them their time to go and talk to their, their side of the ball. So Tuyaki will, will talk to the, address the, uh, the defense and Grimes will talk to the offense. And then, um, and then Ed, during that time, is usually talking to the specialists. And then after that, they go to their position coaches. It's not like I'm just giving a talk to, to talk to everyone. I want them to all listen to their coaches because there's things that are specific to their position, things that we're seeing from, from the other side and what they're confronting you know, on the field. And then, um, and then at the end, I'll rally them together and just talk about what we want to get done. And usually, for me, it's more, more the fundamental part of the game and getting their heads right and, and, and then uh, keeping their belief in each other and belief that, that this game is still attainable by us. When you were a player, what was the typical halftime approach from Lavelle, let's say, if you guys weren't uh, where, where you wanted to be? It was very similar, but Lavelle never really, um, he wasn't much of a rah-rah guy. He just kept things uh, simple and just, you know, if we're, I remember we were losing one game and he said, well, uh, that wasn't fun in the first half. And he <laughs> said, but we had 30 minutes to, to make it up and, and uh, get the outcome we want. And sometimes you don't need anything to, like, get out there and, be on a soapbox and preach to the guys. Sometimes you just have to keep it simple and basic. And more than anything, I, I like it when our players do most of the talking, and that's what I've given them that opportunity for them to just lead and talk to each other. And I think they, they'll do more for their peers than anything else. And then uh, all I do is just kind of review everything and then kind of summarize what all the coaches have said and then try to keep it in a simple message and let them get out and go and play. Okay, good stuff. Uh, Ryder Wilkins is at the mic. Hello, Ryder. Hello. Um, my coach is, uh, my question is, um, how do you balance your real life stuff with your coaching stuff? Oh, um, I have a wonderful family, awesome wife and, and children, and, and then they, they don't mind sharing me with the football team. And so I think uh, it, we go through parts of the season, and, um, but there, I have some non-negotiables, meaning that your family is always going to be first. And I want our players to feel that same way too, that their family is always first and and uh, there's, in my position, I can kind of mix it up together a little bit more, you know. So you get that and church duties and all that stuff. It, it, it can work. You just have to be mindful of it. Really good question. Thanks a lot, Ryder. Appreciate it. We'll ask one more question from here in Studio C. And coming to the mic is uh, another Tyson, Tyson Margetts. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good, I'm Tyson. Good. How are you? Too. Okay. Yeah. So what would be one word you would use to describe the relationship or bond that you have between you and your team? One word? Uh, love. I think that's the number one thing. And, and uh, it's, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's what I was, it's what, what happened when I was getting coached by Lavelle and his staff. And it's what I remember why I even played the game because it was so much fun. I loved doing it the people that I'm with. And when I was a player here, I loved representing BYU and my family on the field and off the field. So I think that's, that's the number one thing. Our guys love – I hope you know our, our players love you. They love playing for you, Tyson, and 
I love playing for all the fans, and then I think they sometimes are a little too hard on themselves. So, uh, but I think that's if you can focus it on love, everything should be fine. Thanks, Tyson. Get uh, the stadium this past week had. 62,000 plus again. Uh, it was a throwback day. It was a whiteout day. Great environment. Um, and I, I think the, the uniform touches, it seemed like people kind of liked those with the, with the throwback helmet and yeah. everything else. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I mean, I, that, I remember wearing that, that out, the uniform, not the helmet, but um, just the, the royal bottoms, the white top. I thought it was a really cool deal. And um, probably have to get yellow goalposts. I saw a picture of it where you couldn't see the goalposts because of the white shirts in the stands. But mm. Uh, the fans showed up. They were making tons of noise and, and uh, a lot of energy. Just want to thank them for, for believing in the team and, and ch- cheering us on. And, uh, you know, we'll just try to get the mistakes fixed so that we have better outcomes and, and give more to cheer for. Your home slate's already half done. Crazy. Uh, you already played three of six home games. You're not going to be home again for a few weeks, Boise in uh, later October. Between now and then, it's a, it's a bye week, a couple road games, and so you won't see your home fans for a little while. Yeah, I mean, but I think we'll, we'll have some fans on the road. We're always you know, excited to see the fans that, that are in that, that area. And a lot of them showed up at the Tennessee game. I think that this uh, Toledo's not that far from Cincinnati when we played there in 2016. So hopefully we see the same amount of uh, fans that are going to be there. And uh, regardless, we're just thankful for all the fans that can show up and uh, looking forward to getting these games going and then and find a way to get back home. Okay. Uh, as we head to break, soccer promo. The BYU women's soccer team remains on a roll. Ranked fifth and 8-0 on the season for the first time in 14 years. Cougars look to go 9-0 Thursday at Long Beach State on BYU Radio. Then on Saturday, they're back home to host UC Irvine on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up next, Micah Simon is mic'd up. And BYU tight end Matt Bushman joins us. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. Healing for life. All right, so welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. And we are looking at our Cougars in the pros. Jamal Williams, 59 yards for the pack and a win against the Broncos on Sunday. Taysom Hill, a few rushing yards, a few receiving yards, but a big win for the Saints in Seattle. Fred Warner, three tackles for the now 3-0 49ers. And Kyle Van Noy had one and a half tackles for loss for the uh, lights-out Patriots defense right now. Pretty amazing what they're doing there in New England. Well, each week we get to a see and hear what it's like to lace him up at a BYU football practice. This week's featured player is Micah Simon, and this is Mike'd Up. Controllable, controllables, okay? Controllable, controllables. Give me 100%, 100% of the time. Let's get it, let's get it. Great. Hey, let's go. Teamwork out there, one, two, three. Teamwork. Teamwork. Forget it, with these. You can't, you can't get these ones. Yeah. Go, burn. Go. Make sure we burst. Lower. Tiptoe. Shabab. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
<laughs> and thank you, Mike Simon. Uh, time now to meet uh, this week's special guest on the Satake Show. And after leading BYU in receptions and receiving yards each of the last two seasons, he is atop the Cougars' reception chart yet again. He is junior tight end Matt Bushman. How's it going? Yeah, good to see you. You too. Howdy. What's up? Welcome back. I feel like this is like uh, maybe your third appearance on this show. Do you think you've done one, done one every year? Second or third, yeah. I, feel yeah. Like you, I think you've come every season. Uh, let's flash back real quick to the end of last season. Uh, the season ended, and you were pretty soon on the shelf, weren't you, right after last year? Um, do you mean? I mean surgery. Yes, I, was on, I had surgery December 28th, so it was right after Christmas. Pretty quick after the season. Did you know going into the bowl game that you'd have to have something done right away? Or Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. How was last season to play with then? With the, with um, it was good. I mean, I heard it pre- like halfway through the season. So as once the trainer said, you know, you can't really do anything worse, I was just like, why not just, why not just keep playing? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everything, it was fine. I didn't have that many. Like when, after hurting it, we I, like covered it up and – I feel like I played fine. It was, I mean, blocking and things like that. Kind of had to adjust certain certain things, but yeah, I think it was a success. What did they fix? My labrum, and then was it the same thing that uh, that Zach had done, or pretty similar? Yeah, pretty yeah. similar. Yeah, pretty similar. And then I had a w- weird little thumb injury, so they repaired a tendon also. But good to go now. Feel okay. great. Uh, how were you able to stay active and stay improving when you couldn't uh, do much in spring? Uh, our strength staff just did a really good job. There were a few of us with shoulder injuries, so. We had our little group, and, I mean, there's the leg press machine. We were all over that. And <laughs> Every day was leg day. Yes, yeah, it yeah. really was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was able to, once, just little by little, I had more and more opportunity to uh, work out. And once I, once I was out of the sling, it felt really nice just to slowly get, get stronger. Kalani, how much do you sweat these off-season situations when you know you got a bunch of guys going in to have stuff as soon as the season's over? I'm not really worried about it because I know the work ethic that Matt has and, and – I think he's downplaying it a lot, you know, the, the season. Uh, he was in a lot of pain and, and uh, just didn't ever complain about it. And you could see it in his face. You could see it in practice. But he never complained about it. And, and uh, teammates, uh, the reason why fans don't know about it is because he never made it a big deal. And he would catch balls and get hit and make blocks and then come to the side and his arm would be completely dead. And this guy's a trooper, you know. So uh, I know he's not going to really want me to say much, but I, he's one of the toughest guys I know because nobody knew, knew how bad it was really hurting him. And the fact that it was just like, oh, yeah, this, we can't hurt anymore, but it'll be really painful is what the doctors told me. Hmm. And I said, well, Matt, I don't know if you can keep doing it. He's like, oh, I'll be fine. And, and sure enough, you just forgot about it because he just never made a big deal. And then afterwards he had the surgery. And I, I just know he's going to work hard and it would never be a problem. And so I'm just glad that he's back on the team. But he's, his leadership and his style and the toughness that he has, it's something that really can't be matched out there. How much of a relief was it to get back out and not have that same pain you did all last year? Oh, it felt great. <laughs> I mean, just to have the strength in both arms, not have to worry about. I mean, there are times in practice you're falling to the ground after a catch, and I'm like having to roll or just like do this weird barrel roll just so I wouldn't land on my shoulder. So I, I feel really good. Let's take a look at some of what's gone on for you here in uh, 2019. Of course, we're seeing some clips from the Utah game, USC. Game three, and of course, this uh, last game you played, 
featured your uh, first touchdown. We're going to get to that in a little bit, I think. You'll, tell, you'll talk us through the touchdown catch, which came in a little bit of an unusual way. Uh, let's maybe get to it right now. Uh, the first touchdown was not maybe exactly how it was drawn up, right? No, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were running just a little mesh concept, and Zach had to scramble a little bit, so I started to do the little scramble drill and just try to get open. 27 made a good play on the ball, and I thought for sure it was intercepted, and then somehow the ball was just placed right in front of me, so. You'll take it. I'll take it. You wasn't like, you wasn't like, the you like, best. like it to come in a closer game, maybe, yeah, but uh, either yeah. way, it, it's, it's your first touchdown of the year. Maybe you could, uh, we talked about Zach and what he had done. How's the kid looking to you? I call him a kid. He's in his second season as a starter now. I think he's looking really good. I mean, he's definitely the most accurate quarterback I've ever caught from. Just He really prides himself on that, just being really accurate. He, he doesn't like making mistakes, so, so he prepares really well, really smart, and yeah, I love catching balls from him. Kalani, the catch you made off, off the tip drill there, if you will, kind of highlights what uh, Coach Grimes likes to call ball skills, and Matt's got a lot of them, right? Matt probably has the best ball skills I've ever seen in, in football, and you see it in games, but there's some ridiculous catches he makes in practice. I mean, scouts have talked to me about it. They see some of the you're not supposed to be able to make these type of catches. And when most people just try to touch the ball, he actually grabs them. And so um, it, it, you just don't get to see a lot of it because our quarterback, Zach, you're most of the time accurate. Um, but if you see Matt, the way he plays the game, when, he, when the ball's not in his hands, the way he runs his routes, the USC game, he was able to open up so many other receivers because the things he's able to do in Tennessee when people are bracketing him and just does his job and, and it creates more place for others and um, the, he just is a big part of our offense a big part of, of uh, our success and so and then that throw in blocking for the running backs this guy does it all. Hey Matt when you look at the two and two start to the year uh, four P5s three ranked teams uh, what do you make of, uh, of, of two and three through four? I mean I'm a little disappointed I think we could have definitely competed better with the two games that we lost I mean we had a lot of mistakes those games and that ended up making us lose. I mean, on offense, we had a lot of turnovers, and it was pretty pretty unfortunate. But sometimes you just think, man, like the, these are some really good teams that we're playing against. A lot of people probably thought we wouldn't. Some people probably thought we'd be 0-4. So with 2-2, two and two, it's still disappointing. But, man, we have a lot of, we have a lot of games left and um, an opportunity to go hopefully 10-2. And, and you mentioned mistakes, and I guess some of those have cost the Cougs, at least in the two losses, the only games with giveaways are the two games you guys have lost. I guess mm-hmm. is if the lesson to be learned there, it's a, well, okay, don't ever give it over. Right, right. <laughs> At least your clean games have been wins, right? And that's been yeah. a pretty good sign for you guys. And no one's out there to make mistakes to begin with, but we can see pretty plainly how those games have kind of uh, shifted with, with just takeaways. Uh, missing Tyson Williams. I wanted to get to that with you a little bit. Um, how close had you guys become as a group, and how big of a blow is it to have to go forward without your leading rusher to this point? I think it's a uh, – I mean – Tyson's just a great guy. Um, Diane Gonwalku spoke to us at the end of practice, and you could just see it brought Diane to tears. It's just like he, Tyson is such a good, a good leader, a good person. Um, he left his home state and just what he's what he's comfortable with to come to a, a completely foreign state and university. And I mean, he gave his all every single game, every single practice. And he's one of the hardest workers on the team. He's always in the weight room. So. Yeah, it's just super unfortunate to see such a good guy like that in his, his grad transfer season to, to go down. But 
Um, he's staying positive. Uh, we're staying positive. I mean, we wish we could have him for the rest of the season and see him succeed, but he'll bounce back. And I mean, we have, we have running backs that have experience and they'll do all that they can to not miss a beat, not skip a beat and <coughs> have that run game that we've had this season. What gives you the most hope for positivity uh, without Tyson? Um, I just think our, as a team, we have, we have depth. We have um, the mindset that it's not just, um, it's, not just one guy. I mean, you see in our past game, it's not like one guy is getting the ball every single play. We're not always relying. We didn't rely on Tyson, but man, when he had the ball, he, he made plays. So I think we have great coaches. We have great players and someone's going to step up and the guys that um, have stepped up will continue to do that. And I think we will miss him definitely, but um, we'll figure out a way to succeed. Earlier in the show, we had our film room segment, and today it was uh, Coach Clark uh, breaking down some of your plays from the, from the uh, Washington game. And uh, Jeremy asked him, uh, who gives more notes to you on a weekly basis, uh, Chad, your father-in-law, or Coach Clark? And Coach Clark said, definitely Chad. Uh, how much uh, talking do you and Chad do about shop? How much, how much work talk do you guys do? Um, definitely on Sundays. I mean, my wife and I will go over, there, go over there to eat, lunch or dinner, and there's a lot of there's a lot of football conversation going on sometimes my wife's over there she gets a little embarrassed by it she's like man Matt's not gonna want to come come over anymore uh, but no it's it's definitely good and I mean just throughout the week he'll watch film um, on his own he doesn't try to intrude or anything like that and kind of take the coach's film study away but um, he'll send like a little note up like a little note card or piece of paper of reminders of things like this is what helped me when I was playing or um, just things like that. Uh, they're small little adjustments, uh, certain plays that I messed up on. And yeah, it's really helpful. I appreciate it, it. If all you could do is watch his film, meaning BYU videos or NFL videos, what would you take from that? Uh, that he had passion for the game and that he made plays. He made plays when his, when his name was called. Kalani, our thoughts on that? The Chad Lewis influence? Yeah, Chad's more than welcome to, to chime in as much as he wants. And he can... <laughs> I think we have an administration that's different, you know, with Tom Homo and and Chad Lewis and Lee Johnson. Those guys are, have been in the NFL and, and been through all that. And so I try to encourage as much talking as possible. And it kind of helps us if, if it's your son-in-law that you're speaking to. So <laughs> Chad's more than welcome to do it. And I'm just excited that, that um, you know, Matt has found his, his love of his life in Emily. And so they're, they're going to have wonderful kids. And they're going to be great volleyball players and football players for BYU <laughs> in the future. And but I, I think, I think uh, you know, Matt's really humble, and he'll, he'll be, he'll, he tries to learn as much as he can from so many people. And just uh, the, 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 the effect that Chad has on him as a tight end, you can see it and it's improved his game. But he'll work really hard at it, and it just makes sense that he's, you know, involved in that fa- the Lewis family. So it's, it's a cool thing. Glad you were involved, Matt, with our uh, Kalani Satake show for another year. Good luck this weekend in Toledo. Good to have you here. Thank you. I right. appreciate Thanks it. a lot. That is Matt Bushman, folks. Fans, if you're looking for an even more convenient way to shop at Smith's, try, you can sit right where you are, Matt. <laughs> you don't need to leave. Uh, try Smith's click list. Order online and pick up curbside by the store. Visit smithsfoodanddrug.com for details. Cougar fans, break down Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon each week on After Further Review. It aired earlier tonight. It's on demand on the BYU TV app, or you can watch it tomorrow morning on BYU TV at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time. As we go to break, it's trivia time. Here's this week's trivia question. Not including Saturday's game in Toledo, how many games has BYU played all time in the state of Ohio? The answer coming up right after this. 
It is trivia time, trivia time. Here is tonight's question. Not including Saturday's game in Toledo, how many games has BYU played all-time in the state of Ohio? Kalani already said that BYU played in Cincinnati in 2016, and that's the answer. It's the one and only time. Kalani's first year, one game, one win in the state of Ohio at Cincy. Let's go for 2-0. and All right, game day schedule. Here we go. Early start, like really early, like 7 a.m. Pacific time if you're living out there for pregame. For Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio, it'll be 10 o'clock Eastern. Then we have BYU TV's countdown to kickoff at 11 Eastern. The game's on ESPN+. And then BYU Radio, of course, with your play-by-play. Riley Nelson, Mitchell Juergens, and me. And postgame coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio live from Toledo. Well, Coach, uh, you've just navigated those four straight P5s and three ranked teams to open the season. And uh, you're not going to see another P5 the rest of the year. But there'd be a real danger, right, in expecting like a drop-off or a different phase of schedule to go, oh, okay, now we can get better or, or relax or whatever the case may be. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not even, that's, that hasn't even factored in our thinking. I mean, that, that, our focus is to try to be at our best and as consistent as possible. And that's, uh, that's all we're working on. And it really has nothing to do with our opponents. And that, I've been saying that every week that I've been here. But uh, this is an opportunity for us to just get better at the fundamental things and and uh, finish drives and, and uh, create some havoc and turnovers on defense and for offense to score a lot of points. And it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. Uh, we respect Toledo a lot, and, and we know that they're well coached, and they're, we're going into their house, so we're expecting their best shot. Like I said before, they just need to make sure that we need to make sure that they get our best shot as well. You want to win, but you want to play well in doing so. You'll take a win no matter what, but you definitely yeah. want to make sure you're playing well in there at the end. All right, uh, that'll do it for this week. We're off next week because of the bye week, so we won't see Kalani next week. We will tell you, though, to request seats for our next show in two weeks. Go to BYUCougars.com slash the Talk Show. For Director David Holliday, for Producer Jerem Jordan, for the Coach Kalani, I'm Greg Rubel. Matt Bushman, too. This has been BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. So long. Go Cougs.